Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast. It's called The DK Project, but it's really The Darren Show. The DK Project is a radio show, but without the radio. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Let's go! Greetings, podcast listeners. Welcome to The DK Project, episode 78 and actually 79. Uh, On today's show, I sit down with Terry Pernsteiner. I met Terry last uh, year through a mutual friend, and we had a great time. Hit it off right away, and I knew this guy had some stories to tell. You know, we tried several times to get him on the ca- on the cast, and uh, didn't have a lot of luck. So uh, we finally got the schedules to work out. So uh, Terry dropped in. You know, we took the we took the top off the bottle and threw the cap away, uh, and just let her go. So fasten your seatbelts. Uh, this is a longer one. We actually I'm going to cut it into two, just because. Uh, well, for, for, for reasons uh, that uh, I can't figure out, I just think uh, <laughs> two and a half hours is just too long. So uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not running a Joe Rogan three-hour marathon here. So I actually cut it up into two, but uh, I definitely think it's worth the listen. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating all the way through. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Terry Pernsteiner. I uh, I brought him in because uh, he's going to give us a different perspective on something other than this stupid ass virus that's been going around and seems to be the talk of the town. Although I uh, I'm thinking we're going to get into it a little bit. It's kind of hard to avoid at this point. But he came into studio. That's positive. We're moving forward, people. None of this Zoom shit. We're going all day. So what we want to do is uh, get a little background. Give us the story. What, uh, you know, speaking of COVID, you had sent me this thing yesterday about, uh, this singer who died and, uh, and it, it seemed to hit a nerve with you. What's, uh, what's the story on that? I've been a John Prine guy. He's, he's billed as, um, the Mark Twain of the current generation and lyricists. And I got to say, he's, he's, he's about ticket, as, huh? oh man, if you haven't checked him out, He's got so many great songs and it's, it's, he, you know, the, the, was it Ebert and Giebert guy? Who was Ebert and Giebert? Who are those guys that did the, uh, the reviews? Uh, He's got a great story. Shit. So anyway, it was one of those guys. It was, uh. Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. It was Ebert. But that was movies. Yes. But he was. Which one of them had the stroke? I think this guy's dead, the one who, who discovered John Prine. But he was a he was a newspaper writer in Chicago at the time, and he went to this folk, uh, this venue that just did folk. And John Prine had been in the military. He was a postman, and he went and went to this folk school on music, and he sat in, and he was heckling the musicians. And someone said, "Hey, can you do it better?" So he got up on stage, and this in this uh, Ebert was there and he wrote this incredible review on him really? in the Chicago Times. And Just I think on it was a fluke? Times. Yeah, because he, he frequented this, not uh, infrequently visited this place, but he said this guy is something. And from then on, he just became this cultural I'm figure. looking it up. I've never, I didn't, when you said that, I was like, is this something I should know? Did I miss something? I was hoping you'd do a bumper thing, uh, a little bumper music with uh, one of his uh, big old goofy world or. Well, and we totally could, but our friends at YouTube like to slap our hand. I'm, I'm on point. thin ice. Good point. I'm yeah, on yeah. thin ice. I've done that once. We'd rather, uh, we'd rather be on YouTube, although uh, I'll dig into it. I want to check it out because it's like a folk type music. Yeah, it's hard to describe, but. 
Anyway, he 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 fell victim to the COVID nineteen. Was he sick already? He had he was a survivor of throat cancer. Ugh. He was seventy two, and when he went down, I went on a pilgrimage, and I've li- literally been listening to his music for three weeks now. How many albums does he have out? Don't even know. Ah, really? That many? Yeah, yeah. He's been at it for. So what is that? Uh, are you uh, Spotify in that or how? I'm you- Spotify. Yeah, it. you're a Spotify. Yeah, I'm wearing Spot- it out. Spotify. That's good though. That's good. How cool. I'm going to check it out. I, I, you know, we, I've had a lot of talks with people about the COVID situation and, and, uh, it's funny cause if I had a car yesterday, uh, it was a loner car and it had the Sirius XM in it. And I listened to a little bit of Howard in the morning, Howard Stern show. And what a, what a world of difference it is from day to day here locally to what you hear on the East coast. The West coast even isn't that bad. But Howard and them, it's like, good God, they're in a bunker. They're not coming out for air. Yeah. Well, we're like, you know, like I said, you came into the studio today. We're, you know, I own an ice cream store. We're almost back to thinking about opening because the 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 one in the town near us is open, you know, with certain regulations. And it's like, uh, you know, it's not my primary business, so I don't need to rush to get it open. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, with all that we've heard and all that we've seen with this COVID situation, you know, I was talking to my mom yesterday and it's like the, um, the numbers are skewed to the point where, you know, they're saying all these people died from the COVID when really it wasn't, they died from what the hell ever. And they tagged it as COVID. Cause it's like, I think my mom threw a number, like an extra 1800 bucks or something to the hospital. I don't even know, but here and over there, but that's too bad. Cause I know there are a lot of people that are actually dying from it, but there's big, you know, on that, on that topic though, it's become politicized. Oh, for sure. Besides the politicized dynamic, I've been sitting there pondering, society has always wondered what the value of a human life is. And so to place value emotionally is one thing, but now our society is placing value economically. And then I have a daughter that's graduating from Madison in nursing. And that brings back the, when you see her in the full regalia of I'm going to sit with a positive patient, and then all of a sudden you get this personalized thing like um, this musician dying. It impacted me. But but Howard, though, it's now simply a how many ICU beds have you got? So the truth is it's it's now saying let's look at the, the, the system and what it can. So they've been trying to manage it from that perspective and then personalizing it at the same time and then using data. And so you have all these people, some people are scientists who live in data. Some people are young with no risk factors. Some people have no one with risk factors. And then until there's a death that has some association with you personally, you don't give a shit. And so, so Howard Stern, I'm sure has had many people that he's witnessed. And then you see these, distant stories about the emergency room guy who died. And, the, and now there was just a woman who just committed suicide because she had 18 hour days and she just couldn't take it anymore. She was, the, she was a physician, ER physician. And, and she just, this was like yesterday, I believe. So you see that, that, that the PTSD is now becoming a dynamic. Is that better? Yep. That, that PTSD is becoming a dynamic now of these frontline people. And, and I, again, bring it back to my daughter. And so I'm, I'm sensitive to both also economics, you know, there's That's interesting. Cause I, you don't think of it that way, but it's true. I don't know anybody who's died from it. Well, then there's, is the, she working? My daughter's. Yeah. She, she works at a hospital in Madison and, 
and they haven't had that many incidents because they've had some pretty good shelter in place and things, but the, there's a reality to it is all I'm saying. And at the same time you say, um, here, here's an interesting dynamic. There's so many facets to this thing. One of them is, uh, I have a business partner that's done really well and he's quite financially set. Now his deal is, I don't ever want to deal with debt or anything like that. So he has a sensitivity to the government going into debt like they are. And, and then there's the other side of society that says, I'm dying here, I'm unemployed, you know, I need a safety net. And so you have that debate. And that, that's an interesting one because then it, it, it becomes who has the volume, who has the time, airtime, and, and they, that's the loudest voice. Yeah. Yet, yet who is really in control? And then there's the politician. So, so it gets so convoluted that to have one simple position is, is, is almost short-sighted because like anything, it, everything's gray. And so I, I go back to that initial thing I said is, let's discuss, not now, but as a, as a society, maybe this is a kind of a, 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 a determination of what is the value of a human life because we have chosen to take our economy in such a precarious place because there is, a, there is either a real belief or a perceived belief because of politicized people saying, I don't want to lose, I, I want to look good to the masses or the, the, the important uh, in their what opinion. What do you think about uh, Pence coming to town and touring Mayo yesterday without a mask? Seems to be all over everything. He just did it again. Where was he? I just saw it on the news early this morning. He did it again. And, oh, he was interviewing, they were interviewing the governor of Colorado, who when he met Pence, when he came to Colorado, the governor wore a mask. And the governor had, like our governor, actually very articulate. And he said, you know, I think public figures should be examples. So he said, I wear a mask. He said, because whether I believe it or not, if, 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 if the general belief is that we should be wearing masks in public, we as public figures should wear masks. And I think woof, that's a wise statement because Trump and, and, and Trump's been Trump since the eighties. There's never been a surprise about Trump. Anything he says or does, <laughs> he's consistent. He's, he's, he's quite confident about himself in, yeah. And that's an understatement. And so he just chooses not to. But, but Pence, so, so Trump almost has an excuse because he's, he's Jesse Ventura. And right in <laughs> front of you, Jack, you got the man. The body. The body, the man. Wait, wait, have you checked out the lateral deltoid lately? The check lateral deltoid? Mm, check that out. Mm, check it out. I get more beautiful looking every day. Yeah. You know, so, so Jesse's Jesse. You know, and, and, and Jesse went on to the conspiracy theory stuff so much that he had a show and this show had no audience and they canceled it. Trump would probably go down the same road if he hadn't been a sitting president. He, he, he has the best branding ability. He's so brilliant at, at, at just saying things. And then, and unfortunately society, when they just hear people speak with confidence, they think that's the truth. And so, so there's, there's a belief that, and so I, I compliment him on one hand and I say, I've been watching your game since the eighties. So I, I see it. I see it as both really amazing and, and really flawed because he's got this ability to say, I don't know what this controversy was. Maybe you know about it where they, he, it was all over that. If you, if you ingest or, or somehow put some sort of, 
What was yeah, that? Yeah, he he had, he had made mention in a in a press conference that you know isn't there some way that we can ingest uh, disinfectant to take care of it from the inside? I rest my case. Just just making just making a general you know he's thinking out loud basically. Yes. And now everywhere everywhere you look, well, they want you to he wants you to drink bleach, and it's yep. like yep. You know, it's it, it really shows you where we've gone with social media and with with reporting that yeah. it's it's just you know let's get clickbait out there let's get like come on like I don't know how many times and I I'm getting to the point where the social media thing is starting to piss me off because you see these people post this stuff and it's like are you stupid enough to believe that he wants you to do that like like you're not posting this as a joke you're posting this to slam Trump. The answer is yes, they are. When it's just stupid. But but it became friends arguing. It became siblings arguing. It became relatives, became neighbors. Now they've gotten off topic and just want to be right. And so they they take that news and they run with it. And and the very thing that got Donald Trump endeared by so many is he speaks his mind. He just unfiltered. Uh, Unfiltered authenticity even if they say stupid stuff, gets credit because you don't hear it. Everyone is so calculating in Washington well, for that, sure. that now you don't believe anything they say. So when a guy even says something crazy, but it's at least unfiltered and it's authentic, you go, you give him the forgiveness because he's the first person. I don't care how stupid it was you said, but you just said what you thought. And so he's getting credit on that. And that actually rode him way far uh, into, this, into this political the game. The problem that I have with the media and everybody, uh, not so much the media, but like people on social media and people with Trump and uh, by all means, this isn't a COVID uh, political thing, but uh, uh, you know, he's a billionaire. He's great at branding. He's a great businessman. And for people to just go in and slam how dumb he is and how, what it's like, you know, it, it gives you that whole old ad. Like you think you could do better. Like these people are, you're taking the time to slam him on social media. What is it that you're doing? Like, I mean, are you flying the shuttle right now and, and you have time to throw a quick Facebook post out about how dumb our president, like, you know, these are, these are, these are people who are not at that level. It's, it's a inferiority complex that, Hey, this guy has shit that I want. I want to be this famous. I want to be this. I mean, the guy's controlling the biggest country in the world right now. And yeah, he yeah. doesn't have a filter, but in that aspect, He's gotten to a level, however he did it, being a, a stupid TV show, buying hotels, branding this, branding that. You know, he's stumbled a few times. He's made some bad decisions. Who hasn't? Like, like you look at these presidents, you look at Obama, and you look at, well, you look at Joe Biden, and it's like, come on. There's so many double standards. There's so much bullshit out there with people thinking that they know better. Well, if you know better, there's a way. Get elected. Get elected and make a difference. Otherwise, shut the hell up. And and on 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 several points of that, Joe Biden has said the dumbest stuff, but he's I I believe he's the nicest person ever. I believe that. Well, I'm sure he is. But the stuff that comes out of his mouth makes you say, "Poof." And and Donald Trump might he inherited like 195 million dollars or something. So he started out with a lot. But to your point. You know how many people start out with that and didn't grow it? So, well, he so, brought her down. He brought her down to zero three times. I think he filed bankruptcy three times. No, that was on his many entities that like the casinos. So he he filed bankruptcy probably way more than that. That's just what went in public. But the truth is, um, as being in business and and knowing these larger deals, you know, 
and it's now became evidence when they were, they were, he was reluctant to let his net worth out. His net worth is a tiny fraction of real wealth. Right. But his branding is genius. He had a TV show. He, he, all the hotels and golf courses, he actually takes an equity state. He says, I don't want to put any money into this deal, but give me 5% of that and you can have my name. Right. So, so you add up all those 5% or 10% and now you have several billion dollars out of his, his sweat equity. And, and actually his flat out, I'll say it, confidence, which is truly do you think arrogance. That, I think a lot of that was from the show. Do you think no. without The Apprentice, he's where he is today? That was way before that when he made those branding. Way before know. that. I know, he I had, know in my in my dream of dreams, I want to be Donald Trump Jr. I oh, mean, yeah. you may not agree, but Jesus, that kid lives a life. Holy and he's quiet. He, he's like not the personality of Donald Trump Sr. No. Where he just took advantage of any woman he wanted because he showed up in Russia with a, with a private jet. I said to my wife yesterday, what? There's no, there's no rocket science to taking a private jet. I could take a private jet to Russia and show up with, uh, with all my wealth and, and pick a, a beauty pageant girl out because they're dying to become living in America and, and be associated with glamour and wealth. So he didn't, uh, he didn't pull off any hat trick here. He, <laughs> he showed up in Russia with a big old jet and, a, and, and, and showed up at all the right parties and said, I want her. So, so again, he just, he, he had a lot of, a lot of hootspot and just in whether it's, whether it's arrogance or narcissism or just naivety. For those of you scratching your head, naivety, lack of experience, wisdom, or judgment. It worked. It. It's all of it. I do too. That's I think what I she's think. getting the short end of the stick though. Like she's actually well-educated, speaks a bunch of languages. You don't hear shit about her. Mm -hmm. If she was Michelle Obama. I mean, my gosh, you might as well just clear the way because she's going to walk across the, right. the water. But that straight track outside your office? Yeah. Wouldn't even be able to hold her prenup, I got a hunch. Oh, I'm sure. So, I'm sure. So I think there's there's a lot of a lot of dynamics there that are just purely human. But it, 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 that's probably what it is about Trump is he's human. He doesn't seem to be so artificial and so like, hey, they wrote this for me. No, I thought of this and I'm going to say it, you know, yeah. and and that's how we all live. That's how we all talk. And and I think people relate to that. And I think, you know, um, I think Biden's just the token, you know, like like there's no possible way he's the best option for the Democratic Party right now. There's no way that you could say he's the best option for a while there. It was, agree. you know, the younger kids can't relate to him. There's no way he's going to win the nomination. Yeah. And now everybody else just disappeared. Yep. And you're telling me that you—that's the best you got. And you know, and I can say that probably with more credibility than you because I can, I can tell your position. I'm an independent. Mm -hmm. I'm saying I agree with you. I was just saying that to someone else. I thought, boy, the Democrats are going to screw it up again. Um, anyone who can't beat Trump when he says what he does and does what he does, because because I got to be honest with you, I, I, I used to vote. I was a small business owner, so I had. Well, for most of my life, an entrepreneur. I've been self-employed since I was 18. So you can imagine my position on a lot of things, unemployment tax and all that. So I took a vote line for years, but then I then I kind of got out of it and probably typical with aging people is, is I became more centered. And I thought, well, you know, you really do have to, the, the answers are in the middle. If you get polarized to any party, not much real progress is going on in any area. 
And, and yes, you will create tax dynamics that are more beneficial and grow the economy. But at, like anything, there is a cost. If you get too, too socialistic, there's a cost. Society can't burn it, burden it. It's not sustainable. California can't burden all the, all the social programs they had. Orange County was teetering on filing for bankruptcy. Remember that? Yeah. 10, 15 years ago. So you, you just can't be too too kind and you can't be too shrewd because you really will leave a lot of people dying on the street. So you have to have some sort of a in-between and the parties have to talk because that balance moves back and forth. In a robust economy, they can be more uh, generous to, to help society in a, in a, in a less they might have more needs, but there really is a, is, there's a point that people need to be lifted up. Uh, because they need a short-term lift, like the initial concept of programs. But if you let those programs age, then they become abused. And, and so, so that, that creates a constant dynamic of discussion. And you can't have constant dynamic discussion when, when all you do is say, whatever you say, I'm going to say no to on both sides of the fence of these. So I, I go, damn it. You know, all the answers, the world's gray. There's no black and white bullshit like we always thought. It's a gray world. And, and as much as I hate it, I have to admit that... Um, that the parties have to come to the middle of the aisle and talk. And that's going to well, be we're further ugly. apart now than we've been ever, ever. It's, it's gross. And I totally hear what you're saying. I, uh, I don't know. I've, I've what we need to with it, psh, politics out the door. All right. Sounds good. Done with that. Well, before we started this, now we were getting the juice. I had to cut you off. You were rambling on about running into Jimmy Buffett. This is what we're looking for. We're looking for the good stories. Not this political nightmare that we all deal with every day. What? Uh, give me the scenario now. You're at a Super Bowl. No, this was just a regular season game. Just a regular season game. Now, for those of you uh, who don't know Terry from his from his uh, elaborate uh, record, he is. Uh, are you with the organization, or how do you phrase this? Um, what is your role? No, I uh, I travel. There's there's uh, three of us that the Vikings bring with just to assist in logistics and in games on the road okay and uh at home there's a lot of people but they can't they really don't have room on the plane in the hotel and and i'll be honest with you i'll I'll, uh (laughs) um there was a a big um sports network that called me a number of years ago and they wanted me to remodel their offices because the all-star game was coming to town and, and, uh, they just heard I was creative and I'm in, I'm in, uh, construction and a lot of things. And, uh, there was a woman that was, uh, charging $900 an hour and they didn't like her ideas. And they, they just said, we got to get something fresh. <laughs> so they brought me in and I'm like, I'm like, this is became a reality show. I walk in there and I said, you know, are you an accounting firm or are you blank, blank, blank? Yeah. And, uh, and they're like, why? I said, uh, I want to use an expletive, but, but your, okay. your offices look like a fucking accounting office <laughs> and you're Fox Sports North. Mm-hmm. I said, this is terrible. It's, it, you're boring. I said, they said, you, sh- you want to meet our designer? I said, I already did. Walk down these halls. It's like, it's like off white and, you know, this is, this could be really fun. And they said, okay, what do you want? So I said, I want to gut the lobby. What do you want? I want to, I want to 
put all the big logos in aluminum of all the sports teams you do, which is the Vikings, the you know, Wild, right. the Timberwolves, the all these sports teams. All the ones and the Wisconsin too. But they also did Wisconsin. They didn't do the Packers, but they did the Bucks and the they did. Oh, really? Because they, they do Wisconsin and why don't and they so, do the Packers? They it's it's all about money and contracts. Oh, sure. And so uh, so I did these big aluminum logos. If you ever go there, and I I, I redesigned the desk and I cut out a a, a a aluminum their logo and held it off and did neon behind it and had a big oval glass and it etched their logo on the underside. I deep etched it yeah. in their logo and got high top chairs and and got funky lighting and and then there and I made their lunchroom look like a sushi bar because they had all the owners of all these sports teams coming in to entertain them during the All-Star game. They wanted to make it look good. And so- uh, At 900 bucks an hour? No, and that was this girl, this lady. <laughs> and so I, I said, you're not gonna like me because I don't know, I'm just a guy right. who, who never learned corporate etiquette, which is like, oh, Bob, you got, you got six people, all the directors at a table. And I, I made this mistake. You got six people at the table. I didn't know that if you had four of them that liked something and two that didn't, in my world, Hey, let's go with it. We got four and two. <laughs> and that win. world is if one person doesn't like it, you go, oh, Joe, you don't like it? So Joe, we'll table it. And can you tell us why? And the interesting thing with Joe would say like, I don't really know why I don't like it, but you know, I, I and, and I'm like, well, but we all know. And, and at one time I picked all these w really fun colors. And, and the one person said, this is too wild for me. And then the one person shows up late to this office, one of the directors and said, hey, I just came from my ad agency. What's this? I said, these are our colors. Oh, that's the same color as the ad agency. I said, see, we're onto something here. And the, they tabled it all because the one person said, ah, it's a little bit much for me. And I'm like looking around saying, what's the problem here? Don't we just go with it? And then the 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 one guy who was spearheading it came, pulled me over and said, you know, we don't make people feel bad. I said, <laughs> I don't know that's corporate America. I said, I, 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 gotta, I can't say anything. Give me a timeline. How long ago was this? Whenever the All-Star game was here, I don't even know it. For five years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have known then. I was thinking it was like 20 years ago where. No, it's. I, I, it I, was so, so iffy. So I'm so bad with, with that etiquette. And so. Well, um, you fit right in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the story was, oh, I said to them, all right, let's just cut the bullshit. I said, I've been around sports organizations for 28 years. I know one thing. They don't spend any money. So I know your budget is is way less than you can can that than we should can even pay for than what we should have to do this. And he right. just looked at me and it was very quiet and he smiled. He just he just smiled and nodded a little bit. And I said, so let's just start there. I'm not going to present a number that you should have. We're going to do this, you know, as is so so the truth is that's a long way of saying organizations don't spend much money. And 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 the, you know a lot of people say, well, how do you think they got there? the wealthy, the, the, the billionaires that play the game of Iona sports team, not by being frivolous and, and, and like you and I probably are. Right. Right. We, we go to a baseball game. We spend too much money. Right. Cause you know, you go, how much did you spend in a baseball game or a football game? Yeah. It was a good time though. Well, they don't make that mistake. And so, so they don't Do you find that with a lot of, and I don't know how many rich people, you know, or wealthy people, you know, but they're usually the cheapest people, you know, like they don't like to spend money. If, if uh, unless it's who that what they want. You got to get over a certain level. Then it's. If it's their personal. Like if, if I want to go to France, I'll take my jet to France. If it costs me um, $10,000 uh, to get there and back. And it's, it's I want to go with my family. Great. If I'm going to spend it on business. Are you kidding me? 
Do you know that's ten thousand right. dollars? So, so that's a dynamic I witness over and over. Although um, the old owner of the Saints um, was great, he was a car salesman, ah. and uh, Benson. And and I always talked to him, and he was so great. He'd roll into town, and he would talk your ear off. But he was a salesman. So there are some self-made nouveau riche guys that aren't arrogant or gals that aren't arrogant that just are people people, and then. And, and that's almost like you invented something and, and it just went wild. You, yeah. know, you, you didn't know about yeah. it. You know, it's like these, it's, but then they become, I was in Kauai and we did that helicopter thing and there's this gorgeous side of Kauai. Well, the guy from Facebook bought that whole mountain. You know, it's like, it's like, so they, they, they evolve from being very, I'm going to change the world to being very much into their own little world. And then they protect it. So there's a, there's an evolution and, and, and so the nouveau riche and the old money are completely different people. Yeah. yeah. The, the value system of, and that's where we had an earlier discussion about happiness and association. That's, that, I'm more of a, a sociologist about life and, and studying about, about, so as I see all these kind of dynamics and, and I, and I, you know, I, I was a dropout in college and I, I, I was actually, uh, I have worthiness issues because people, I mean, I'm kidding you. My principals and all that told me I wouldn't, wouldn't amount to anything because I had a lot of fun with my serious ADD in high school. And so I did try three colleges before I dropped out. But, but You gave it a good try. I gave it a hell of a try. But the truth is uh, um, I've been on a, a quest of mostly studying people. So when you talk about the NFL, I, I'm not going to give you a lot of stats and stuff. And, and I remember stories in the human side of players, coaches, the game, because uh, I am wondering, because I see them as as like us. I look at the players and I think that young man, he's doing better than I. You know, I, I would have been into all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, drugs, sex, and rock and roll if I had that. So I really admire a lot of these young guys for being as disciplined, and even if they don't look that disciplined, a lot, almost all of them are, and there are very few that oh, get man, off. Man, I'm deep into the uh, Last Dance, the Michael Jack or Michael uh, Jordan story. Have you watched that? I haven't yet. Oh, it's on demand on ESPN. There's a epitome of a shit. guy who 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 did the right image to to society. Is somehow. that is that? And and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I'm a Michael Jordan greatest of all time guy. Like you watch this thing, and I before I saw, and I'm not a big basketball guy at all. But my my I got a college kid. I got a, a younger one. And they're LeBron guys, you know, all these new guys. MJ and I'm, was the biggest. And I'm looking at this thing going, no way. This guy's 6'6 and just, whoa. Like, well, holy here's, shit. Here's how big he but is. But he was so, like, normal. Like, you got to put the work in. You got to put the time in. Yeah. And he's bitching at his uh, other players on the team saying, you're not putting the work in. Let's go. And he, like, took a coaching role. Like, man, that guy is awesome. And I checked. Uh, when I was watching it, I like to, uh, you know, I always look for the age and whatever, but he's 2.1 billion and he had a reset in 06 with, Oh, did he? With, well, the, the wife, Oh, she, you know, she took she her took chunk. Her. I'm sure. Although he probably had a pretty solid prenup too, but so, so I, I would I, love to see that. He was so big. There was a game at the Metrodome. It was a big game even. And all the buzz was, the only thing we were all talking about on the field was MJ's here. MJ's yeah. here. MJ's here. He walked down the tunnel where we are, you know, so because, because they. So are you doing stuff with the wolves too? No, I'm not. No. But he showed up, you know, they always show up and they want to be on the field or they, they like football. They like sports. Yeah. But as he walked down in his long leather oh, jacket. okay. He, we all like, there's MJ. 
The game stopped. That's how big he was. And I'm like, I'm not calling each up. Every player, every coach was like, you know, not the head coach and stuff. They had to stay in their game. But the players were all, it was a buzz. MJ's here. MJ's here. That's how big he is. He could walk into a venue as big as that. And, and everyone, was, it was a head turner. That's when I go, oh, there are, there are some people who are just that big. Well, you don't, and you don't hear about them. You occasionally hear about them on a golf course or whatever for a celebrity pro-am thing or whatever. But you don't hear about him. He is not like out there, you know, like a lot of these guys, you know, Barkley got into broadcasting and all, you know, and it's like, he just disappeared. Like, and, and at a, and, you know, and I'm only, and there's, I think there's 10 episodes to this thing. It's called the last dance. And, um, and I'm at, at four. Cause that's all that are out yet. It's on Sundays. Does he, does he speak himself to the interview? Him oh much? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's the like, part I find interesting. Yeah. And it's like a whole deal. And he's like, just so. You know, cause there was a big thing, um, which I didn't know where, where he got in, uh, they had a little problem with the Pistons for a while and, uh, there was a game Pistons had beat him two years in a row in the playoffs. And, uh, and then they got to the, the playoffs the next year and, and Michael Jordan was like, whatever it takes, we're beating him. You know, he was in the off season working out, going nuts and they beat him and the Pistons just walked off the court. They didn't shake hands or nothing. So then they had Isaiah Thomas. Um, I think that's his name for the Pistons. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, talking like, you know, that's just how it went back then. You know, we didn't always shake hands and shit. Well, they showed both post games from the two prior years when they beat him. And it, Michael Jordan's shaking everybody's hand on the yep. Pistons team. Yep. And and I didn't know, uh, I didn't know that uh, Dennis Rodman had a life before the Bulls. Like he had two mm-hmm. rings before he got to the Bulls. Yeah. And he was just an asshole. Oh, like, yeah. Just a bully. And that the whole teammates, the team. teammates didn't like him either. He was too out there, remember? He, well, they, talk they, about an attention problem. Holy yep. shit. Big time. But he he could play the game. I oh, mean, yeah. he, him and Pippen. This whole thing, is you should watch it. He it's brought, awesome. He brought fans in, too, because he was he was a show in itself. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But they, they talk, they, they almost do like uh, one show on Jordan, one show on Pippen, one show on the coach, one show on Rodman and Pippen, like Pippen's family, he had a dad who had a stroke. So he's in a wheelchair and then he had a brother who had, it was in a wheelchair from a car accident or from an accident. And, um, so he's like, I just need a contract. So he signed like a seven or eight year deal out of the gate Wow. and they just, I don't know. They, I don't want to say they took advantage of him because obviously he was a rookie, but, but you know, by the end of it, he's like, this is stupid. You guys won't renegotiate with me. You locked me in. And, and they had the owner on there. He's like, you signed the deal. I told you not to sign the deal and you signed the deal. So anywho, but anyway, so uh, uh, now we got off, we got off on a tangent there, but so you remodel the studio of this company during the all-star game. And how does this hook you into your current role? Oh, nothing. <laughs> That's not, there's no association. Um, here I thought it was going to be, nothing at all. I met this guy and he talked to this guy and he got me here, but no relation at all. Nothing at all. So, so I'm a believer. I tell young people <laughs> that it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just do it as well as you can and do it with passion. I, I, I picked, I love manual labor. I'm 59 years old with artificial hip and shoulder That's a surgeries. rare coin. And my other hip is going, but it, it comes with ADD. You like to work with your hands. And I can't sit at a desk now. I've done everything. I've done accounting and all that with, cause I had to do it for your own business. Right. And I understand and I'm good with software and I'm, I have the ability, but I just can't do it. I I might as well stick an ice pick in my eye. So I sit there and and look at life experientially. So when I tell young people, I go, you know, I I know you might be a server, you might be a laborer, which is I did a lot in my early years. I loved it. I love the physical labor. And we didn't get paid much in in 
<laughs> we were, uh, yeah, it's, that can get very complicated in some other areas, which we'll probably cover at another time. But, but as, as it goes, if you live life experientially saying, I take whatever comes to me, it adds up. I said, you'll, you'll end up with a, with it, with all the needs you really want. You'll have a nice car. You'll have, you'll have a house. You'll have everything you want. You'll, you'll have, you know, the relationship you want. You'll, so, so don't get hung up on the fact that, oh, you know, those people are, are, are even that peers are, are, you know, they're in med school or whatever. And, and I'm doing some really menial thing. I never got hung up there because I just enjoyed what I did. But, but I, my point to them is it adds up. It adds up and, and, and you can have a good life. I mean, we talked about it. I, I, was, uh, I was a generous person with good times and, and people in life. I, I, lived a, I lived a fun life. And so that doesn't mean you have to be super thrifty. I mean, it'd be ideal, but I just wasn't in me. Um, but it adds up. And, and so, so, so my thing is, um, you're not, it's not too late. You know, Henry Ford uh, went bankrupt and he, he didn't start his career until he was about 40, 42 years old when they started motor, you know, so, so there's all those stories too, about, about late bloomers. Uh, and, and actually ADD people are, uh, in some of the great books. I was starting to sense some of the ADD. Yeah. Well, I, it's, I was diagnosed <laughs> at 49 with a lot of ADD. Oh, really? At yeah. 49? At 49. Yeah. I hit a wall with the, the 08 downturn and I was in land oh, development big. And yeah. so I had serious depression. So I, uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. That I said, it's a, it's a, yeah, all the stories blend into each other. But uh, a friend of mine founded a a great kids store in town here, and her husband had Hell's Kitchen downtown. Oh, sure. And and I was having lunch with her one day, and and I said some stuff, and she's like, "Wow, you're depressed." And I said, "Am I?" So I was saying like really dumb stuff, like I don't want to wake up tomorrow and stuff like that. And you don't even know it when you're there. Yeah. And she's like, "You got to go in and get checked." And I said, "Where do you go?" And she's like, "Well." Mitch, her husband, who never had a culinary lesson in his life and had Hell's Kitchen, he died a couple of years ago, but most bipolar, by the way, Ooh. had this great gift and he went to this place. I said, I'll go there. So I got a full diagnosis and got, got my full smorgasbord of me having, I had depression, they said, but that's situational, but I do have it in my family history. So that's there. I have serious ADD. I have a little OCD. And I have anxiety. I said, holy fuck, is there anything I don't have? I am fucked up. She's like, no, 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 don't think that way. Would and, you leave uh, with a buffet of drugs? No, no. They said, we don't want to give you anything, not even for depression, but you need ADD drugs. You're bad. And I said, okay. Because when I first came there, they what said- What is that? Like Ritalin or something? It was Adderall. At the Adderall? Time. And, uh, and so, so, yeah, I have a plethora of things. But, but going back, I, I think that's probably why I live life so experientially. And ADD people can pretty much pick things up rather quickly and they don't read a lot. And, uh, they just, they're visual spatial people. So that I think you're, I think you're running through my, uh, I'm reading your mail. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great book. Anyone with ADD (laughs) needs to know. Actually there's two of them. The first one was called driven to distraction. You just said people with ADD don't read. And now you're telling us. No, no, no. You'll get a kick out of the whole story. Oh shit. So yeah, write it down. Driven to distraction. And then they had a sequel. It's uh, some psychiatrists who, um, at this second book had thousands of interviews now with ADD people and they wrote delivered from distraction first driven to distractions, their first book, and then delivered from distraction. And the, and you go and, and so of course you don't read, right. But you scan 
you typically read a third of a book and say, I got this one. And you actually, you do, you kind of got the rest of it. So I'm scanning the, the first book and it goes, and I see, ah, bullet points. So I stop there and it goes, if you came, if you went here first, I'm like, ah, you got me. <laughs> and then the second book has like a hundred bullet points. And one of them in there just cracked me up. I'm reading them all and I, I've got most of them, right? One of them says, you like bicycles. Even if you, 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 you might own one, it's hanging in your garage and you not, might not ride it, but you love bicycles. And I'm thinking at the time I had like a $1,200 bike hanging in my garage that I never rode, but you like it because you like gadgets. You like gadgets. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, how did they know I had this bike? So, and there's some really <laughs> odd looking things that, but they interviewed like literally, you read the book, like thousands of people with ADD and they found these really funny correlations. Really? And then they put these in there. So of like course- they all own bikes? No, not all of them, but it's one of the hundred that they found really interesting. What's the top one? I can't remember. But, but you'll read it and laugh because you're going to be- You'll be checking them off. Really? And uh, and the other thing is, of course, on the second book, I scanned through it till I found the bullet points. And then I went to that. And then I said, you know, because I'm not going to read. This is like, this is clinical. This, right. is a, this is doctors writing a book, <laughs> both for the masses and for the clinic, for the, for the professional um, society. So it's kind of in between, it's kind of dry, but yet not. It's great for spouses who are married to him because then they can say, they can oh kind God, of get a picture. Yeah, now I know I had, you know, he was that way or she was that way. But that, anyway, Wow. I, I digress to say, so experientially brings you to many different things in life. I'm going to look that, is that actually a word? Experientially? I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. And you probably live it yourself looking at, looking at the fact that you're oh, I believe a podcast it. studio right now and, and you have these other businesses because there's this. Yeah. You're painting my picture. I'm, and I'm, you get bored rather quickly. <sighs> and, yeah, and you I like, do, I, but see, I don't like to. I don't like to. Like, I'm not a, a labor guy. Like, I'm not. I don't. You see me with a hammer or a shovel, look the hell out because something bad's about to happen. Yeah, and that that's just it. You can never generalize too much about any specific thing because, well, everything's a spectrum for one. But but you'll find patterns. Um, they're creative. That's that's more of working with my hands. Less of saying the labor. I like problem solving. I like create. Matter of fact. Don't give me, this is a good setting for both you and I, because if we would have talked before we got and scripted out what we were going to say, I'd say, I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's just boring. But yeah. if, if you say, just show up, we'll talk about whatever. Ah, now you know spontaneity is great. You know, what's funny is, um, is my, one of my other 20 businesses is, is, is voiceover work. And uh, given the, 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 the diagnosis that you've just run through, Never a big reader, heavy dyslexia, blah, 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 blah. Not a reader. Actually, we just had a funny time uh, at the house, which, uh, God, I'm loving this, having the kids home. But uh, that my, 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 my kids were talking about when we were young, my son has dyslexia and, uh, and how my wife would read to him. And then my daughter would be like, shit, dad's going to read to me. Like, so I would make her read to me. And then Fox, my, the and then house. My, yeah. And then my wife would be like, carb. I'd come in after a little bit. She'd be reading and you'd be snoring. <laughs> so, so anyway, in this voiceover thing, uh, all of my coaches, all the people that I work with are like, your podcast is, is you, that's you. You're the everyday dude, yeah. no bullshit. But then you get into reading what other people have and it's really hard. It's really been a challenge and I, I, and I'm loving it because I like the challenge. I like the idea of, of learning this craft, but it's a whole, it's, it's, it's like, it's like 
someone who can't draw a stick figure, you're making a paint like Picasso. Like, like it is so out of my wheelhouse for those reasons, because it's just not when you, when you take something that someone else has written and I have to read it and make it seem like I, I, I wrote it. Yep. No way. It's, I'll it's tell tough. you why. Um, the values of ADT people are principles and authenticity. And, and if you, what do you think, mean by principles? Um, right and wrong. Oh, you're very hung up on, on what's right and what's wrong. You get passionate about, about honesty, integrity, things like that, it, because it's more important to you than I hate to say it, than even money. I have, I, I've, I was offered a million dollar bribe once on a land development and I said, no, don't want it. That's That, that would be wrong. So I, 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 I took the test and passed. Now, I don't know if I would again, Ooh, but I, I did say. at the time for a million bucks. I didn't sell my soul. Put, one, and, put me in coach. I'll take that test. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, uh, cause in hindsight, you know, that I'm glad I did it and could I use it? Hell yeah. Especially in the 08 downturn when things are, <sighs> wheels are all coming off on all of us and hell yeah, construction and development. Would you have felt the same way on the beach in the Bahamas about that? I think so. When you're just looking I at think your bank so. account going. Argh. No, I think so. And that's where you go. You can't go, make it on a million. No, you can't, but it would be a nice shot in the arm. And the truth is, we'll all be sitting in rocking chairs, pissing our pants and our diapers, and it won't matter. You know what? I just had this conversation with my wife because mm -hmm. it happens a lot. And the problem that I'm having right now is you work, 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 because I want to retire. I want to enjoy this time with my wife. And one of you is going to fucking die. Yep. It just keeps happening. Or you're going to get Alzheimer's. Or you're going to be a pants shitter that can't do any, you know what I mean? So it's like, I told her, I'm like, once the kids leave, we're selling everything and we're going to enjoy it while we can. Yep. Because I don't want to wait till I'm 65 or 75 because yep. I'm going to be dead. And this is what you do then. Because we've had, I've been married for 30, don't tell me years. And uh, I don't know what, it, I get 30. Uh, I'm sure she'll tell you. 30, 32 years. And so- I have come to the conclusion now, based on that, that every time I make it super intentional that I enjoy all our time, our intimate time, our all of our time to its utmost because it's that special. And so so how you how you remedy that is don't wait until the time when you sell it. When you're sitting with her this morning for coffee or whatever it is, it, and you just you just sit and live in the moment so drink it up, try to push the pause button and say, this is that awesome. And How do you do hard. that? Where's the pause button? Well, with ADD, there, you have a pause there button? isn't, but you imagine it. <laughs> you imagine it. And then you get the manual out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've actually gotten to the point of, uh, I've become very introspective and I'll tell you for most of Do you of meditate? My, no, but you might say I do. You know, I listen guess to, if you can hit the pause John button. John Bryan is like meditating. You'll I'm, find I'm, that I'm up. I'm dialing that. I got a little traveling to do this afternoon. I'm dialing that yeah, up. You got to do it. So, so yeah, I think, uh, I think listening to certain music is like poetry and like, and like poetry is, is, is the language of the heart that, that brings it down to a, a, a real visceral thing. It's just about the moment. And, and so you don't know it. Being passionate about what you do, like right now, this is living in the moment. You're actually very good at it. You don't even know it. Uh, ADD people are, are the best at living in the moment because they, they, they're so blind to what's going on around them because they're so hyper-focused. So, so there is a fact that there's a dynamic that you actually do 
live in the moment. You actually do. The fact that you said, I'm so happy that my kids are home, that's a level of appreciation that is pushing the pause button. So now, now we have to kind of reverse engineer that and figure out how do I do that more? How do I do it with better intentionality? How do I, how do I, cause I know my, I could die, you know, I, I, my wife and I is, I want to die first so that you're alone, not me. And so, yeah. so, but the truth oh, is, yeah, we already have that chiseled out. At yeah. The house. <laughs> and so we're like the COVID. I, I had a little cough earlier this week and it was nothing. I thought, Hey, maybe I got it. And, uh, you know, two things I can, I, I can die. That's not all bad. And then, uh, but I'm leaving you first. And then, uh, I could get antibiotics and I'll never get anything in. So I was like, this is all win. If I get this thing, I, I'm, I'm on the up, up. And, uh, and I said, Oh, wait a minute. We got a deal. We got to go together, honey. We got to make out. So you get it too. So we go together. Oh. So, so we got all this planned out, but the truth is, is you do have to, <laughs> she'll end up with it. You'll die. Exactly. Damn she'll it. Just be sick. <laughs> I lost again. That one of giant prime songs is there's two guys on a bridge. The one guy jumps and said, you lost, you know, right? It's like, <laughs> So it's like, it's, it's, it's really, you know, the point is we have to learn like meditating. We have to focus on how to be present, how to say this moment is, you know, you know, like here's a great analogy. People go, ah, I can't get my picture taken. Now I got to lose some weight. You know, I, 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 I got wrinkles. <laughs> my, my wife says, said, you know, think about it. This is the best we'll ever look. You wait five years, you're not going to look like you do now. So as bad as you think you look right now and don't take your picture, this is as good as it gets because it's going <laughs> down from here. And I said, oh, you're right. So I stopped complaining about, you know, I don't like my picture taken or whatever. And, uh, and, and I'm going, nope, my wife says she's right. This, we're not going to look, you know, we complain about it, but we're younger than we're going to be in a year or two. And so baby, take those pictures. And, uh, you know, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, uh, I think that, uh, uh, a lot of times people don't realize that's what I keep trying to convey to my kids is how fast the time goes yeah. before you know it. You're, you know, 59, you know, boom, just like that. It's like just the other day I was bitching about having to go to school. You're 59. No, I'm 59. I know. That's why I said that. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm only 46. I was going to say, holy shit. No, no. You look good, man. I hate no, you. No. This is 46. They aren't, uh, they're not highway miles, though. I get uh, <laughs> people uh, think I'm a lot older than I am. It's probably because I act so mature. I'm sure that's what it is. No. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's Quite not the it. contrary there. I, um, I think that uh, uh, we got off, I, we got off on, on a loop here. Yep. I had gotten a bunch of questions or a bunch of talking points um, from a mutual friend of ours that, uh, that we were going to hit on. Um, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to double episode you. Yep. You're not going to get away with just one. Well, life, life, everyone says, uh, it's said that everyone has a book in them and whether you're, you know, a, a articulate writer or not, it's your story. Yeah. So everyone does have a, and actually I find it very true that everyone's life is very interesting. And I also find true that all people's experiences are interconnected because we all have the same stuff in us. We all have um, pride or greed, or as much as we don't like to admit that we have all aspects of what we see, both good and bad. And we talk about other people, we have that in us. So if we, if we watch people or even hear their story, we can go to school on them and say, what would I do in that situation? Or maybe we can learn something. So, so I find everyone's story really curious in a selfish way to say, Hmm, that's, that's me too. And, and I'm talking about the bad 
and the good. That's true. I, I think I, I don't know um, that a lot of people, especially this day and age, you know, I just watched, uh, I watch podcasts on YouTube, but uh, Bert Kreischer had interviewed, you know, who Gabby Reese is. She was a, a big volleyball player on the Olympic team, yeah, this kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, she's married to some surfer dude and they're real like hippie, you know, mm-hmm. but he was asking her, you know, are you, are you uh, pushing your kids towards volleyball or surfing or, or and she's like, no, I don't push them towards any sports. I mean, obviously, they're probably uh, inherently going to be good at them because she's like six five. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're very and they're very healthy people. But she's like, I'm not pushing them towards anything. She goes, I don't suggest anything. She goes, I want to see their story. I want to see what they're going to do, yep. and they can write their own story. I'm not forcing them into anything. But being at, I have, I've got a, an array of children from uh, what a fourteen to a. God, he's going to be 29 this year, maybe. And, uh, and, uh, you, you, you see the parenting, uh, change over that spectrum to where my, uh, 14 year old, who is an eighth grader now, uh, the way that the parents are in the, you know, basketball games or the, or the baseball games or soccer games, it's, <clears throat> it's frightening to see how these parents are and how they're so trying. And I was one of them. I was one of them with baseball, you know, Dave, who normally sits in that chair, uh, he was a coach uh, on my son's baseball team. Our sons played together and just two passionate people about the game who wanted their kids to to play at a higher level when maybe it wasn't the best interest of the kid. And you see so much of that nowadays with the helicopter parenting and don't talk to my kid. Don't look at my kid. And we're going to we're, we're 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 moving our, our society and our youth to such a strange place where are they able to discover their own story? You know, some of these kids. And I saw a lot of it because my son played baseball year round. And you saw the real crazy parents when you do that, mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, you live, eat, sleep, shit, baseball. And, you know, you're going to play it whether you like it or not. And a lot of these kids are like, you know, and my son never said anything, but in his head, he was probably thinking, I want to play soccer. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it was it was me. And then but it was nice because because of, because of him being old. With the little dude, I'm like, just, I want you to have fun. I don't care what you do. Because I know, I know uh, you're never going to play at a higher level. You may, but 99% sure it's not going to happen. Um, and I'm not telling them that, but, but go have fun. Go well, play in the dirt. Go have fun with your buddies. Don't worry so much about that. That, 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 that. I don't want to, I don't want to dic- dictate where you're headed. Totally. You good. decide. It was like my daughter. My daughter just got accepted to, uh, uh, the honors college at San Diego state. Wow. And, um, and it's like, I don't know where that came from. I don't, you know, I, if you married up, yeah, I must've, but, uh, but you know, just, and, and everybody's like, Oh, you don't want her to move there. You don't want her to, you don't want her to leave the state. She'll never come back. And I'm like, good, go find your thing. That's what I want you to do. I don't want you to be stuck here. I was stuck here, yeah. you know, and I, 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 but by all means, I, I have a good, great life. I do, you know, my thing. I have anything I could ever want. But I don't want to make my kids, you know, I don't want to focus their path for them. I want them to go do go do your thing. You know, my other son's in Arizona and having the time of his life. He hates coming back to Minnesota because he, you know, wants that freedom. He wants that lifestyle. And that, I think nowadays, that gets so overlooked by people because the parents are trying to live vicariously through their kids. And they're trying to shape where they're headed and write the story for them. When in reality, you know, let them go do their thing. They're going to fall down. They're going to get hurt. You know, they're going to scrape their knee. They're going to, they're going to lose some stuff. But if you don't let them learn how to do that, 
you're going to end up with this big marshmallow society that we're in now where nobody knows how to handle getting hurt or losing. Hey, but you're going to get a participation award. Oh, fuck. So, um, yeah, a couple things there. I, I, I got to say, you got to talk about your kids, right? They have all different personalities, right? Oh, for they, sure. They drank the same water, ate the same food, but yeah. they, you'd swear one was from Mars, one was from Venus and so forth. I would agree with that. So, how many do you have? I have three. Three. And and I have a. What's the spread? Uh, 30, 25, and unlike you when you were 17 and had your first, and uh, my youngest is 23. So, so I have a, I have a, a nurse, a musician. He went to Augsburg for music uh, therapy. Nice. And he, he's truly a musician. Oh, that's so fun. And when then it's I have therapy. a computer programmer who's truly a computer programmer. So I have these three Jesus, very different. more opposite. You huh? couldn't get three more different personalities. And the, the, and they all need to be, because let me go back to the sports analogy. I got a buddy who coaches for USA Baseball, and, and he's from this community out here in Lunch McKenzie. And Lunch is great. He uh, His name is Lunch. Mark, but we call him Lunch. Nice. So Lunch, lunch is, uh, <laughs> he's known as Lunch, too. Google Lunch McKenzie, and I, I think it'll come up. So Lunch has been a phenomenally successful coach. He was a block layer who started coaching, and he took the first Minnesota team in many years out to, Legion Ball. Oh, yeah. Legion. Uh. To, to Nationals or something. You'll have to Google. I, I'm sorry if I hacked that up. But he took him nowhere else, and he was just this concrete guy. And so he finally stopped doing that and started full-time coaching, and then he was a coach at Minnetonka and, until one of the parents gave him a death threat because he didn't play the kid. And uh, oh, and so he said, out of this. Well, there's then a whole new episode. He became a head coach at Concordia College in St. Paul, and then it gets really interesting. He never had a college degree, but they, and first of all, to have a coach and he taught a class, he never had a college degree. And then they made him athletic director. Jeez. He, he had to be the only AD in the country with no college degree. And now he stepped him. back. Um, but uh, he would have these great coaches. It was a name like lunch though. <laughs> oh, I know. And, and he would charge, you know, thousands of dollars for the weekend to give like, Girls softball teams and oh, like a clinic, traveling clinics. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he made a lot of money doing that. But uh, his speeches would be, "Hey, uh, he'd have the parents talk, right?" And and they'd have the kids there, and he'd go, uh, "These would be like little kids, like you said, uh, Johnny. Um, how how do you, you know, how, how do you? I don't remember how he said, like, how do you hold your elbow when you're loaded with a bat, ready to swing?" Do you, do you go up like this and, and, and dad, is that how you do it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, Hey, see that? Don't listen to your dad anymore. He's wrong. You know, here's the thing, guys, you, none of you guys are probably going to make it to the big leagues, but you're going to have fun. You're going right. to learn to love the sport. You're going to learn all about the sport and we're going to have fun. I'm going to play y'all when they're little. He said, we're going to, we're going to make this a really great experience. So, so parents don't get involved. He said, this is like an enjoyment sport. It'll be serious. We were out to win. But we don't want your input because I'm the coach here. And, 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 and he'd do that. And he'd just shoot them right out of the gates. And so they'd That's all just the way to do it. sit down. And, and he'd also say to the kids, there's a chance. Now, he, he teaches USA Baseball. Matter of fact, the, who's the best baseball player right now? I don't even Trout, know. right? Trout, yeah. So he had Trout. And he cut Trout from the USA Baseball team. He said, we got to play Cuba in two weeks. You, I got to let you go. He cried. Trout cried. And to this day... Because lunch is 
kid is a clubhouse, visiting clubhouse set for the twins. And whenever Trout comes in, he goes, you remember my dad cut you? And he goes, I do. I remember that. <laughs> and so, so he took the greatest baseball player of our modern time right now and cut him because we got to play Cuba in two weeks and we got to win. And you're just not ready. He, Joey Maurer wasn't ready for the 16-year-old team when he did 16-year-old USA. So there's there's a reality to um, to sports too. That that but but lunch is so talented. I don't know how I digress to that. That's very rare though. That uh, once you establish that that we're going to play to win, but we want you to have fun because um, nowadays I don't know. I don't. The whole thing is bullshit now with all the parent coaches. You know because the associations don't want to pay the money, and uh, and you get a parent coach who favors their kid who it's sucks. Embarrassing. It's their embarrassing. It sucks. It always happens. But that's it, a whole. It, different world. That's infuriating to me. I get it at the pro level because they're getting paid in this. This is what the deal is. And you know, it's a short lived career, but when you get down to that, that enjoyment level, it's, it's just ridiculous. Well, and you've had a lot of uh, run-ins with these athletes and whatnot with different organizations. And uh, it seems some of that exposure, some of those guys got to be real, uh, well, I know they're real ego, but uh, but have you ever met any normal uh, sports people where they're like, like we were talking about with Jordan, like how it's just, he gets it. He's realistic and he's down to earth. Um, you a know, lot I've, of them are normal, if not almost all of them. And here's why. They know they're young men. Picture being 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 6. Picture being 29 even. You know, that, that sounds so old in the sports world, but it's still a 29-year-old who has been insulated They've had, uh, they've had, had, had people managing their lives to this point. They, they've literally gone from program to program, including the pros. They have, uh, they have, they have staff persons at every pro team that are in player development and stuff that, that tell them how to manage their money. And I remember I asked Monty Kiffin about that once and Monty Kiffin was a coach at Nebraska who went to won a title. And then he was a, he was a coach all over the place. Vikings for a long time, Jets, uh, all over the place. And so Monty said, you know, it's really sad. You see these guys, they, they come in before they had this kind of player development involvement. They'd, they'd make these big contracts for three years in a row. They'd think they're going to play for five, seven, 10 years, and they never paid their taxes. So now by the time they get cut, they owe the IRS 300,000 bucks and they don't have a penny. They yeah. spend it all on houses and cars. He said that broke his heart. So now there's much more in, involvement to say, guys, you know, this is how you should do it. Can't make them do it. And they're, and they're, and I have to say that, that most of the players are very, they know they're just kids. Let me just say that. When my hair turned gray, oh my gosh, players and Adrian Peterson, Peterson stepped on my foot numerous times on the sidelines during the game, turned around and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you don't have to apologize. You're in a game head. Go. So, you know, they're sweet kids. Hmm. Even Adrian, they're just sweet people. And, but they're kids. They look at our gray hair and go, oh, they know something we don't. So when they get in front of the mic, they have that 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 canned blah, 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 same thing every time. But as soon as that mic goes off, uh, yeah, they goof around with their kid, their, their friends, uh, the teammates. But they're very humble, and they know they don't know much. They don't have much experience. They've been given a gift, and that is like their shoe size. They woke up one day and they can run fast. They can jump high. They can catch a ball. They can throw a ball. They didn't have anything to do with that other than they just worked hard with this simple gift that they get surprised when people adore them because they go, man, all I did was what 
I, all, it's to us, it's like, all I did is walk. What if you walked out of this office and came back and I was just like, oh my God, that was so, I can't believe what you did. You'd say, I, I just walked. Well, that's how they feel. That's the analogy. But so they don't know what to do with those accolades. They don't know what to do with that praise because to them, there is really not much. And I know it, it won awards and stuff, but to them, because they're just another human so doing the normal, experience. It's just a normal day. So, um, so like uh, such great. So, so most of them are just really sweet. I remember when Diggsy had his first game, he walked around on the sidelines poking his chest. Diggsy for real, Diggsy for real, <laughs> Diggsy for real. And I said that to him a couple years after that. I said, man, I'll never forget that moment when you're poking your chest. And he had this kind of really funny look in his face because he kind of didn't want to admit his vulnerability. But but that's how vulnerable they are. They're like, I'm told you guys, I'm trying to prove it to you guys. You know, they, they get so down on themselves. They get so euphoric. But um, we got like Harrison Smith and some of those just workhorses who just come off the field and sit. And they're just nice guys. I remember one time we were at uh, TCF after the game. Harry got just pounded. After the game, his wife had had it with the kids, you know. So she just gives them the kid because it was, it, you know, you got a little kid the whole game. They don't want to be in a game. They're just squirming. Yeah, right. And the wife is just exhausted because it's just a mom with a kid. And Harry walks out of this place. Everyone had his jerseys on as they leave. Not everyone, but, you know, a lot of people loved Harrison Smith. Enough people to say, you knew 22, right? Yeah. And he walks through the crowd. And I was standing out there when, when he walked away. And he's limping because he, he just got killed. He had a good game, but he just left it. He always left it on the field. And she gives him the kid, and she's done. You could see her body language is like, it's your turn. And he's limping through the crowd with his baby, <laughs> and no one said hi to him. No one said, Harry, because he's just a dad with a kid limping through the crowd. Now Harry knew, this is all we are. We're people, and my wife set me straight. And if they get full of themselves and, and, and play the other game, it's only a matter of time that that, that chip gets knocked off, uh, another regular guy. And, and if they abused it, they're, 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 you know, doing some menial job it, compared to having their wealth take care of them for the rest of their life because they, their arrogance got in the way. So, so they, the general population of athletes are, are guy, young men who go, I, I, I don't know why everyone's so excited about me, but I, I hope it keeps going. And really? I'm keep trying. I see. I wouldn't think that. I think they've been around. Yes. Yes. Men. Yes. People for so long because. You know, once you get uh, going down that road, there's so many people that just latch on to you for the ride, you know, because they haven't amounted to anything. And they Good wanna, point. They want to be your entourage. Good point. Uh, now, they're not going to tell you no. There's two, there's multiple dimensions. I don't know how many, but there's, there's a dimension of the face they put on when they get the interview. There's a dimension. There's a, there's a, there's a persona they put on when they're around their, their friends. There's a persona when they're around when they're around older people, but you can see it in their eyes. When when I look at their eyes, they they almost have a hard time sometimes making eye contact. Now, now when they're in the field, I remember I ran out in the huddle. I had to throw down the cleat cleaners in, in Chicago a year or two ago. And you know, every time out, you run out and they scratch their feet so that they have good traction. And and and, it, and the game was over. And Daniil Hunter is the sweetest guy you've ever seen. You know, Daniil is probably the most cut human being I've seen in 28 years. Too. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, he was walking in the shower once we were somewhere on the road and I, and he had his pants on, but he had no shirt on. And I, so I touched him on the back and say, man, I don't usually say this to guys, but I've seen a lot of guys and, 
in the through the years, and you are probably the most cut. Really? Oh, thank you. He said, <laughs> "You know, here's this sweet kid again." Where that's how sweet he is, right? Now we're on the field in Chicago. I throw it on the cleat cleaner because if the other team brings out stuff, you got to do it, or else they look they look around and say, "Well, what are you guys? Why aren't you treating our guys the same way as they're treating their guys?" So they don't need cleat cleaners. It's over. Uh, we got beat handily, and I throw the cleat cleaners down. He goes. Get those fucking things out of here. We don't need those. And I said, hey, man, you know, I'm doing what I got to do. And and he just kept on me. And I'm like, that's their game head. So there's the persona of 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 the killer instinct. But that's not them 90, 95% of the time. That's only them when they're out there. Because I got some great stories of Dan Marino. Uh, uh, let me just jump in with that one. So years ago, Dan Marino's at the end of his career. He's got two knee braces on. We're at the Metrodome. And back then we had two phones on the table. It was offense, defense. And there was a PR phone somewhere else, you know, to call up when they want to know if they're injured or whatever. They report to me. But there's two phones. And in most stadiums, you just picked up the phone and then the coaches would just hear it. You just pick it up and they they were live in their headsets and they'd hear it going on. So Dan Marino comes off with the first series and it didn't go well. And uh, and he's huffing and puffing. And, and he goes, you know, over the phones. And he looks at me and he's like, 25 feet away, 20 feet away. I don't know. It's a ways, 15, 20, a ways, too far to hear. And the crowd is just roaring because the Vikings got the ball and, and, and they're, and it's going really well. So it's just a loud roar. And Marino looks at me and he, and he kicks up, picks up the handset and he's, and he looks at the phone, he looks at me and he just takes it like bam, bam. And he takes the phone and he slams the headset the handset as hard as he can into the phone that's on the table over and over. Bam, 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 bam. He's doing it. And, and I, so, and I run over and I go, Dan, we had big numbers on the headset on the, on the phone piece that, you know, the actual dialer part that said like dial three, two, one or something. And then the handset to it had the same sticker, great big numbers, you know, as big as you could make it <laughs> dial this number, but he didn't see him. He just took it and kept back. So we dial the number the whole game. Marino had come off pick up the phone, look at us and go, bam, bam, bam. We had to run over there and dial the number. Like, like that was his, he was a killer instinct. So when I see Dan Marino on TV and he's doing some promo and he goes, hi, I'm Dan Marino. I go, daddy, no Dan Marino. <laughs> and so the other great story about Dan Marino, which I think is great. What I did is I do, I did and do um, is we, we take visiting teams equipment to the stadium, set up the locker room. And then afterwards we load it up, get in the police escort, run it to the plane and send them off. So after the game, in the old days, I'd always get this uh, order. You got to have such and such beer in the back of the truck. You know, they like this kind of beer, have a 12 pack, six pack, whatever it is. So I'd set it, I'd buy it and I'd put it in the back of the truck. And then people would climb in and drink on the way to the airport because they, they're just sick of being with the team. You got to be with the team on the bus, on the plane, yeah. the locker room, in the hotel. You just got to get away. So Marino used to love getting in the back of the truck. And, uh, and, and uh, Shula would always be looking, where's Dan? Where's Dan? Because he knew he liked climbing in the back of the truck. And uh, I finally asked his equipment manager who'd go back there with him, what'd you guys do back there? He said, I'd lay down a trunk, I'd put a, a white linen over it and we'd get this kind of hard liquor out and we'd just drink it to the airport. And then it would, then they'd sleep on, you know, it was a more relaxing flight. And so I was a ball boy in Miami and I tried to get up to Dan, but he had all this security because he had his green jacket on. He and Shula had some pregame thing where they were going to announce it and give him some award right before kickoff. And so Shula's on a golf court cart in front of him because remember he always was in a golf cart. Yeah. And so I finally, his security kind of leaves because it's right before kickoff. They can't be out there. And I can, I, I'm in the bench area now. So I go up to him because he's standing with the dolphins right in the middle. And I walk up to him and I say, Hey Dan, he goes, yeah, what's that? I said, I got the beer in the back of the truck. 
and he's standing all formal with his Hall of Fame jacket. And he, he goes, awesome. And I go, <laughs> hey, let me know when you want to go. And he goes, and he just slugs me. And I go, he, I fly past Shula and I just keep running across the field because I got to be on the other side. And, I'm, I'm, and, 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 and he just turned into this total kid again. And Shula's watching me run. I thought, I bet not a single soul could ever guess what made him so happy. <laughs> and it was because he went back in time when he was a player and, 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 and the, the Marino on the field was the Marino on the field. And then after Philly drank, and now he was back to his, you know, so, so that's, oh, that's, that's the different personalities. And like uh, uh, Barry Sanders would never say a word on the sidelines. He'd come and sit and just never say a word. Didn't say, speak to hardly ever to a playmate and just sat quietly like he's in church. When his, his, he was called in, he'd put his helmet on, run out, come back. He didn't talk to anyone, just like a church mouse. And then uh, um, uh, who was a San Diego uh, uh, and that died? Junior Sehow. Mm -hmm. He'd come off just ranting and raving, take two cups of ice water and dump them on his head. And he had this flat top head and he'd have a pile of ice on every time steaming. And he was just, <laughs> so everyone had a different personality. Wow. You know, Adrian was always very peaceful. He, he had a switch. He knew where his switch was. I don't think so, you should use switch. Shouldn't you switch? No. Because it's confusing to your person? <laughs> no, because isn't that what he hit his kid with, the switch? Oh, ha. You're way ahead of me on this one, man. But, well, yeah. I imagine they're all that way, though, that they've got their. But how about Adrian's dad? What about Talk about father dad? wounds. Adrian's dad ran book. And he got in prison, but he beat him one time in junior high. He, he, he did something that, his that he didn't like that the coach called him on or something. And in front of his friends in the parking lot, his dad beat him up. And so, oh, so shit. in front of his friends, really? And so if you go, how, what kind of father wound did Adrian have? And I remember once I was walking up behind this guy at the Metrodome and he had Adrian's Jersey on. He was a guy in his fifties, just built like a brick. And I said, man, uh, you know, Adrian, you're his dad. He's like, yes, I am. Adrian is estranged from his dad. But as soon as Adrian became famous, oh, yeah. his dad was all over it. So Adrian's had serious wounds. He was the sweetest guy you ever met, the kindest guy. So if you think about the abuse he had, raised with discipline, and then then taking like, like I got a spoon to me. I got a belt to me. I remember mom chasing me around the house with a broom, me just outrunning her and laughing. You think that that other guy uh, that you mentioned, I can't even remember his name now. Marino? No, no, the uh, the guy that you touched in the shower. <laughs> I uh, wasn't in the shower, man. We were outside. But you think he's more ripped than Adrian? I mean, Adrian just looks like yes. just chiseled. No, Daniil Hunter is. Daniil Hunter. He's like a specimen. He's like God had uh, a plan for the perfect male body, and he's got it. No shit. And you and I are a bit jealous, but... Uh, but the truth is, uh, you're saying this isn't the perfect male body that I'm sporting here. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> body fat, anything. When you put yourself in water and you float, you know, so much that you don't get your shirt wet. I think that's the perfect body. <laughs> that's a win. That's a win-win. <laughs> that's a win. This man ain't drowning in Minnetonka anytime soon. Hell no. Hell or no. or in the cold Lake Superior, he'll live for a week. That wraps up. Part one of the Terry Pernsteiner adventure. More to come. Stay tuned. Tune into the next episode, which is part two of the Terry Pernsteiner show. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Tell a friend, subscribe, pass it along. The one thing you can do during the pandemic is share podcasts, share it with a friend, have them download it, subscribe, and uh, spread the word. Everybody take care. Stay safe. That's it. That's the end. That's a wrap. Read the shtick. 
that's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can use the studio line at 612-504-6500 or by email, thedkprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, there's always social media at the DK Project Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.